And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me. Turn with me to John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. Boy, it is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. It's good to see a full house. Looks like that New Year's resolution is kicked in. Amen. That's a good way to do it. Start it in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Just remain standing as we sing. We're going we're gonna, to uh, read just a couple verses in John 13. And, uh, and, and then I'll let you sit down. We'll, we'll pray. And, and uh, man, it's good to be saved. I can't think of a better thing to know than to know that when that's all said and done, I'm going to be in good shape. This world is not my home. We're just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen? We had a, a, a memorial service for Brother Smitty uh, on Friday, and uh, Brother Smitty was a saint of God. He was a soldier, and, and I mean that in more ways than one, uh, uh, one of our World War II veterans and, and a soldier for Christ. And uh, man, he was a servant and did, I can't even begin to describe the things he's done for the kingdom of God, but he, he's, in a, he's in a place right now where there's no sorrow, no suffering, no pain. Are y'all with me? And one day, if you know Jesus is your savior, you're going to be there with him. Amen. Boy, I feel like preaching today. Amen. John 13, John 13, let's look in verse number one. If you found your spot, say Amen. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? He's a little embarrassed because Jesus is doing something he wasn't willing to do. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not? Now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him. In other words, Peter said, I wouldn't do it, and I don't want you doing it. Think about that a minute. All right? If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Just wash everything. Good old Peter. Jesus saith to him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. He's talking about Judas. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after that he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, it means truly, truly, what I'm fixing to tell you is really important. I say unto you 
The servant is not greater than his Lord. There's a lot of Christians need to get that. The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Read this with me, verse 17. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Say it again. If ye know these things, Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. And Lord, thank you for a full house. It's really awesome to see. God, I pray now that you will teach us and guide us and, and develop us and build us this morning. We're coming to learn. We're coming to grow. We're coming to be edified. We're coming to be better Christians today than we were yesterday. And Father, I pray that you'll take the scalpel of your word and cut deep into our hearts and show us where we need attention Show us where we need to apply, uh, uh, Lord, the truth of your word to our lives. God, help us to be servants of the King. I pray that your perfect will be done. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, We are preaching through a series. Uh, Most of you know in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the perfect Christian. We want to be... The perfect Christian. We want to be a complete Christian. Now we know, we know the word perfect doesn't mean without mistake or without failure. That's not what we're talking about. Perfect means mature. It means developed. It means complete. We, we may not be the type of person who never makes mistakes, but we can be mature. Are you with me? Say amen. God wants us to be developed. He doesn't want us to stay in the same place in our life that when we came to him. When we came to him, we are babes in Christ. But God wants you to grow up. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, grow up. See, you've been wanting to do that for years, haven't you? Some of you spouses, tell your husband, grow up. Grow up, develop, mature, grow, perfect. Be perfect, be complete. God says, because I am perfect. Now, here's the thing. We, we covered several topics that we said if a, if a Christian is going to be complete, he's got to be several things. And, and, and we, the first one, he's a sharing Christian, right? He shares his faith. If you're going to be the Christian that God wants you to be, if you're going to be the person that Christ has called you to be, you've got to be willing to share your faith. And then we said he's a sanctified. He's a sanctified Christian. What that means, he strives for holiness. He strives for holiness. He doesn't live in the gray area. He knows that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And it says if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We don't even mess with evil. We abstain from the very appearance of evil. Amen? We want to be holy. We want to, I mean, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we're going to keep a short account. And when we do get ignorant and do something stupid, we go right to God and say, Help me, Lord, please forgive me my sins. Sanctified. Holiness is important to a mature Christian. Righteousness is important to a mature Christian. But then then we said he's a sacrificial. He's a sacrificial Christian. Last time we talked about this, he's willing to sacrifice, right? I beseech you therefore, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living In other words, we give God our life. We give God our dreams. We sacrifice and say, Lord, here am I. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it, wherever you want me to go, here I am. I am yours. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Well, today, today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about another topic. We got two more today and and then the the, the next subject. Uh, But today I want to talk about serving. I want to talk about serving. Say that with me. Say it again. 
serving. That means, <coughs> that means working. That means laboring. I know that scares some of y'all. I, I, told, I told somebody at, at, at Halloween I was going to dress up like a job and scare some of y'all to death. Amen. Say amen. <coughs> Listen, when we go to using that word serve, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. But, but it's not going to be what you think. It's not going to be what you think. God, God taught me some things in this lesson. I, I'm telling you, this is, this is really cool. At the end, I, I'm going to try to rush through this thing to get to the end, the last illustration I want you to see because, you know, it, it, sometimes when we, we, when, we look at, when we look at the needs and, and then when we look at the volunteers, uh, the need always outweighs the volunteer list. And we're always struggling to find help and to find the biggest misconception in a large church. I mean, there's a ton of people in this building right now. But the biggest misconception in a large church is that there's plenty of help. Because when you show up on the property, there's people buzzing around like bumblebees doing there and going there. And, and, and oh, they, they, they've got plenty of help. Let me tell you something. That is a myth. It is a myth. Let me tell you what the truth is and reality is. You just got a few people doing a lot of stuff. And we need help. We need help. We need people willing to serve. And I, I, sometimes in my flesh, sometimes in my flesh, in my humanity, not my, not my spiritual side, but in my flesh, I get a little irritated sometimes because of the excuses I hear. And I think, well, the only reason people aren't doing nothing, they're just selfish, 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 selfish. The Bible says in the last days, people shall be lovers of themselves. That's what it said. First list. I mean, there's a list of like tons of things and descriptions of the last days and the way people are. And the very first one on the list is people shall be lovers of themselves. And that is true. There's no doubt we're in the last days. I'm telling you, just look on Facebook and look at the selfies. God help us. Say amen. I mean, it's me, 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 me. People are lovers of themselves, and, 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 and that, that's the reason people won't serve. They're just too selfish. They don't have time. But, you know, I learned something. That, and this, that's, that, you know, selfishness is not the problem. Selfishness is a byproduct of the problem. Selfishness is just a symptom. And I didn't see that before, and I, I hope I can... Say it in a way to explain it to you because I, I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm just going to try to give it like God gave it to me, all right? So, so at the end, we're going to see what the root, what the real issue is. Now, here we have Jesus in the upper room. Now, what in the world, what in the world would possess Jesus or motivate Jesus to get down and wash their feet? Now, here's the thing you got to understand. In that day, in that culture, you know, they wore sandals and they would go up and down uh, uh, dusty, dirty streets and, and then they would come and they don't sit at a table like me and you. When me and you sit at a table, the food's here and our feet are down there. Say amen. amen. But in that day, you reclined. There was no tables. You reclined. It was almost like uh, sit, sitting on the floor to eat and you would, you would kind of sit on it and your feet would be right. In other words, your feet would be in close proximity to your groceries. It, are y'all with me? Now that's reality. So what would happen is when they would come as a, a, a guest or a host, they would, they would have a slave. And, and, and according to John MacArthur's commentary, this was a job that was even lower. Jewish slaves didn't even do this, only Gentile slaves. So if you had a list of jobs, it was at the bottom of the list. I mean, this was, this was the job nobody wanted and it was for the lowest of the low. Well, they were borrowing a room, 
So technically there was not really a host there to provide the foot washing before they came in. So here they are, they've come in and there's, there's, there's nobody to wash the feet. And, and now they are at supper and, and this job has gone neglected because nobody was willing to do it. Nobody was willing to be a slave. Nobody was willing to stoop down and minister to somebody else. So the king of kings, the word, God incarnate, the creator of everything, the one who spoke this world into existence got up and laid aside his garments, girded himself with a towel and began to wash their feet. Can you imagine, can you imagine the disciples? I mean, they were embarrassed. Especially Peter. You ain't washing my feet. Let me translate that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that job. Now, keep, keep in mind this too. We're in the upper room. We're in the upper room. Jesus is just a matter of a couple hours away from being crucified. He's just a, a matter of hours away from going into the garden and praying to the point that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. It is going to be so intense in the next few hours. It's going to be so difficult on the life of Christ and the body of Christ and his humanity. It's going to be the darkest time of his life here on earth. And yet he gets down and washes their feet. Now, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First of all, number one, I want you to see the problem he tackled. The problem that he tackled. And in order to understand the significance of what he did, i got to go read some other verses. And I need you to just look at me because, because I, I want to read these fast because I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. <clears throat> the problem that he tackled, why did he have to do this? If you will look early on in, in Jesus' ministry, you'll find this, Matthew 18, 1 through 4 says this, and at the same time, the, then came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, they, he's not talking about God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Ghost. He's not talking about angels. They're talking about people. Who's the best? Who's the goat? Don't know what the goat is? Greatest of all time. There we go. We got a young man who knows what that is. The great, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Talking about humanly speaking. Can you imagine asking the Son of God that question? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever thou shalt, therefore shall humble himself as this little, the same is the... In the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Who's the greatest? Come here, son. Come here, child. Yeah. Come here, young man. Unless you humble yourself like this young man. Then in Mark 9, then in Mark 9, it says, and he came to, this is verse 33, and he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what is it that ye disputed among yourselves, by the way? In other words, while they were traveling to Capernaum, Jesus must have been a little ahead of them, but behind them, they were arguing. They were fussing to each other, arguing. And, and, and Jesus, when they get into the house, uh, Jesus looks at him and said, and this is, he probably said it like my dad would always ask us when something, he said, what seems to be the problem? Yeah. And they were a little embarrassed. 
It says, and they held their peace, because this is what they were arguing about. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the... And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and... In other words, if you want to be the greatest, be a servant. That's not, that's not popular words. Mark 10, Mark 10, James and John, two specific disciples. In another gospel, it says their mother was in on this thing too. Not just James and John, but they, 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 they inspired their mama to help them. They came to him saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. What shall we desire? Keep that word in mind, desire. And he said unto them, what would that I should do for you? They said unto him, grant us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. In other words, Jesus had told them, I'm the king and I'm going to have a kingdom. So they're saying, I want to sit beside the king in the kingdom. And those were places or positions of authority and power and prestige. Are y'all with me? That's what they're asking for. But Jesus said unto them, ye know not what you ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm to be baptized with? What he's talking about is his suffering he's fixing to go through. The beating and the betrayal and the crucifixion and all the brutality he's fixing to experience. And they said, we can. Oh boy, what were they saying? And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And by the way, they were martyred. One was exiled to Patmos. He said, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And watch this. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with John. They got mad. You know why? Because they wanted it too. They had been steadily arguing who's going to have the position, who's going to be the best, who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus called to them and said, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your, and whosoever shall, will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Now watch now in Luke 22. In Luke 22, we're in the upper room. We're in the same place that we just read in John 13. We're in the upper room. It's the last few hours of the life of Christ. All right? Over and over, we see this. Jesus has tried to tell them, if you want to be great, be humble. If you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be great, minister. The greatest is not the one who has the most. The greatest is not the one who has all the power. The greatest is not the one who has all the possessions. It's the one who will humble himself and serve. All these years he'd been telling them. Three years he walked with Jesus. They walked with Jesus and they still don't get it. Here in the upper room, watch this, Luke 22, verse 24. And there was also a strife among them. They're still arguing over it. They're still arguing. Which of them should be accounted? Really? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth. 
For whether is greater, he that sitteth in meat or he that serveth, is, is not he that sitteth in meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. So here we are. Jesus is contemplating his death. Jesus is contemplating his crucifixion. Jesus is about to die. He, he, he knows what's ahead of him. He knows about the cross. He knows about the beatings. He knows about the whip. He knows about the nails. He knows about the crown of thorns. He knows about his future and his impending death. And he sits and his disciples are arguing over a position. So if you're taking notes, this is the problem that he tackled. A, their positional desire. Their positional desire. In other words, they wanted a position. Give us a place. Give us a position. They were not looking for opportunity. They were looking for position. I always get nervous when we have first-time attenders, and the first thing they want to do is tell me about all the positions they held at the church they used to go to. Or those wanting an office. Those wanting a position. Listen, that's not the way it goes. That's Jesus is looking at them and he is seeing. Now, where does that stem from? Where does that stem from? It's their prideful disposition. They had a positional desire because of a prideful disposition. When somebody wants a position, when somebody wants an office, when somebody wants something that has a title... You know it's stemming not from a desire to serve, but a desire to be seen. Be careful with them people that got to tell you everything. And here they are. I want to sit here, and I want to sit here. Who's going to be the greatest? Why do you want to know who's going to be the greatest? He says, listen, be a servant. Humble yourself. If you've got to be humbled, that means you're prideful. And these disciples were, can you imagine, can you imagine, but let's, let's think about this, let's think about this realistically. These are former fishermen. These are former tax collectors. These are former people that everybody else hated. Now all of a sudden, they're walking around with the Son of God. Before they are looked down in society, before they're hated in society, they were really nobodies. But now they're walking with the Son of God who's fixing to be the next king. Now, and Jesus sees their heart and he says, what's wrong with you? Humble yourself. You know what? You know what? It's very easy to allow pride to creep in our hearts when God begins to bless us and God, we, we look at this building and we look what God is doing here. This ain't about us. It's not something we've done. It's nothing. It's not about our talents. It's all the touch of God. But they had a positional desire and a prideful disposition. That is the problem Jesus is trying to tackle. Can y'all see that? Say amen. So he gets down and washes their feet. Now, second thing, write this down. I'm going somewhere. I know I got to set the table and put everything out so you can see where it's at. Amen. There's a problem he tackled. Then number two, there's a pattern that he taught. <clears throat> there's a pattern that he taught. He said, watch this. I'm glad, I'm glad that Jesus won't send you up a ladder he's not already climbed. If he's asking you to sacrifice, guess what? He already has. If he's asking you to humble yourself, 
He already has. You know what it says in Philippians? It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no... Say it again. Say it again. Reputation. Reputation. He made himself... I mean, he's God. He's the supreme ruler. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the universe. He has the power to speak everything into existence. But he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. And, and I looked up, I looked up the word reputation. And you know what? This is the this is this is the, the, the definition of reputation. Overall quality or character as seen or judged by other people. Recognition by other people of some characteristic or ability. A place in public esteem or regard. Let me let me boil it all down to this. What is reputation? It's what somebody else thinks about you. Oh, yeah, it's fixing to get quiet in here. Why didn't Peter get down and wash him feet? He was afraid of what somebody else would think about him. Why do we not do some of the things we need to do? We're prideful. We've got we've to protect our... We're so worried about what people think about us. We're so worried about what people's going to say about us. But you know what Jesus did? He got up from supper, laid aside his garment. And by the way, this is, this is just a picture of what he had already done. Philippians says, he, he, he being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no, and took upon him the form of a servant. He was God who laid aside and set aside his royal robe and put upon himself the flesh of humanity. He laid aside his garment and began to wash their feet. What did he do? Two things, two things. This is the pattern. Two things. First, he ignored he ignored. Write that word down. He ignored. He didn't care what people thought about him. He didn't care what people said about him. He didn't care about his reputation. He made himself of no reputation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You say, I don't think this is a big problem. Look up Facebook and see if that's not a big problem. Come on. I see pictures that's posted on Facebook as, as a profile picture, knowing good and well, that ain't what that person really looks like. Somebody has done some uh, enhancements. Computerized blemish taken away. Y'all laughing because you know I'm right? You want other people to think. And before you think I'm a hypocrite, one on my profile is my coon dog. And there ain't no enhancements. That's the real deal right there. Are y'all with me? We post stuff on Facebook because we want other people to think our lives are... 
We come to church and we look like Ken and Barbie and Noah and we was Bonnie and Clyde all the way to the parking lot. Come in with the smile. We got to look. You know what? Because we're afraid about what everybody else is going to. How about this? And this is, not, this is not the humorous part. Somebody asks us how we're doing. We're about to die and fall apart in life and everything's bad. We're good. Because we don't want people to think any different. But you know what? Jesus didn't care. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people said. He did not care about his reputation. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a minute. I promise you this is going to be good. Y'all think that this is just, I'm telling you, I'm going to get somewhere with this. He ignored. And then B, write this down. He initiated. He initiated. In other words, he was not prompted to serve. He was not asked to serve. He just got up and did it. He saw a need and met it. Most of y'all don't know about this story, but I'm going to tell you, some of y'all heard it, just act like you never heard it. I was introduced to the word initiative when I was a kid. How many of y'all had, had parents that would beat your behind if you had a bad grade? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. That's probably why you're decent folks now. I don't know about the rest of you. Amen. How many of y'all had that report card? How many of y'all had that report card that didn't just have a grade section, but it had a behavior section? Y'all had one of them? Now, it was bad if you had a bad check in that grade section. But if you ever got a check in that behavioral section, you could kiss it goodbye, honey. <laughs> one day I got a progress report. And I was looking at that thing, and I happened to look over there. First time I ever had a check in the behavioral side. But what I didn't know, there was a positive and negative on the behavioral. And it said he shows initiative. Well, I didn't read that right. I, read, I thought it said he's inattentive. I thought she was saying I wasn't paying attention. Man, I, I broke out in a sweat right away. Scared me to death. I said, I'm going to die. What's wrong with this woman? So all the way home, I'm trying to figure out an excuse, trying to figure out what to say. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, 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 thinking. When I get home, I'm, I, I, I said, Mom, before you read that, I need you to understand something. That woman is never like me. I think she's an atheist. I'm a preacher's kid, and she's got it out for me. It's religious discrimination. And she's looking at it, trying to figure out what in the world I'm talking about. I said, what are you talking about? I said, that woman said I was inattentive. She looked. She said, you big dummy, this says initiative. It means you do things without asking. You're prompt. You do what you're supposed to do. I said, she's a good woman, Mom. She knows what she's talking about. Amen. Y'all act like y'all never misunderstood a word before. Shows initiative. Just, just, do, just does what needs to. What does the Bible say? If you know to do good and do it not, it is. What does that mean? Miss, Miss, Miss Barry is our church recruiter. She helps. She helps uh, uh, we've got several different names for that. But either way, she helps us help people get plugged in and get connected in service and, and ministry and all that kind of thing. And we have to do everything we can to try to get people to help us. Because we don't have enough volunteers. We got more work than we got people. But you know what? She shouldn't even have a job. We shouldn't have to have people roaming around, tapping on shoulders, asking, will you please help us? We should have a line out the door saying, hey, give me something to do. You shouldn't have to be prompted. You shouldn't have to be begged. You shouldn't have to be pleaded. Because if you're a child of God, you have been saved. You have been delivered from hell. God has given his life for you, and he expects you to give your life for him. Jesus saw a need. There was dirty feet. Nobody had to ask him. Nobody had to beg him. Nobody had to motivate him. He saw a need, got up, and did it. Nobody should ask, have to ask you to volunteer. If you're a child of God, you should be waiting in line and say, hey, give me something to do. Hey, it's a new year, first Sunday. Let's kick it off right. Oh, yeah, y'all don't like that, do you? I see that. Well, you're going to get it till you do. Am, am I lying? Am I not telling the truth? Is this not exactly what happened? This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If there was anybody in the building who shouldn't technically have washed him feet, it was him. But he did. He showed initiative. What's the pattern we should follow? 
We should ignore what people think. We should ignore what people say. And we should take the initiative and do what needs to be done. And don't have to be begged. Don't have to be asked. Don't have to be played with. Just get up and do it. It drives me insane to walk down the hallway and see a piece of paper that I know seven people done passed. Oh, that's a janitor's job. No, it's not. This is your church. You can pick up a piece of paper too. Hey, over the Christmas holidays, over the Christmas holidays, I came in there and helped help, uh, 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 those that usually clean up the auditorium, and I was plumb embarrassed at the garbage that was left in this building. I'm like, really? Really? So here's the, here's the new 19, 2019 rule. If you bring it in, you take it out. Go ahead and write that in your notes. Are you with me? So the, the last thing we're going to do before we dismiss, all right, everybody look under your chair. I'm sorry, I just, I'm bent a little bit. Anyway, number three, we got to hurry. Lord help us. Number three, we see, yeah, I'm going to get emailed over that one, amen. How was he able to do that? How was he able to not, see, this is the thing. How was he able to not care what people think? Because I know that's what you're thinking. How do I get over that, preacher? How do I, 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 I worry about what people say. I worry about what people think. I worry, how do we do that? Look at, look in one and three, verse one. There's two things. This is a provision he treasured. This is what gave Jesus the ability to do what he did. Because I'm here to tell you, if you're going to do what Jesus did, you've got to have what Jesus had. And there was two glaring things in this chapter that he had that we all need. First is love. It's affection for his people. Look what it says in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having, help me, having his own, which are in the world, he loved them unto the end. You want me to tell you how, how, how we can serve others? If we love others. If we love others. It's not hard to serve someone you love. Jesus loved his disciples. He loved them with every fiber of his being. And listen, it was no thing whatsoever to get down and wash their feet because he loved them. How many of y'all had babies? Raise your hand, you had children, babies. Men, you can raise your hand too, you part of it. Raise your hand, come on. If you, if you, if you change diapers, if you change diapers, man or woman, raise your hand. It, don't lie, don't all right, if you had ungodly things happen to you in the process of changing them diapers, raise your hand. Do I have a witness? But you know what? You change it anyway. You know why? You loved a little squirt. Man, that wasn't a good choice of words, was it? Is it hot in here? Hey, it's a new year, amen. <laughs> How many of y'all know your kids have done crazy stuff to you? I seen, I seen a sign. I seen a sign that says, when, when, when they are little, they'll step on your toes, but when they're teenagers, they'll step on your heart. But you just keep loving them. And you keep serving them. And you keep blessing them. You know why? Because you love them. Listen, serving in this place, if you're serving to try to make the preacher happy, if you're serving so Miss Belisa will leave you alone, it's the wrong motivation. But if you love people, you want to hold the door open for them. If you love people, you want to greet them in the parking lot. If you love people, you want to help them find a good parking spot. If you love people, you won't mind serving people. Right? Now, here's the big one. Here's the big one. Look at this next one, number three. This is going to solve a lot of our problems. Number three. Jesus, what's that next word? Uh, verse three, chapter 13 of John in the New Testament of your Bible. Verse three. Jesus, everybody say it, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, 
and that he was come from God and went to God. He rises from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, and washed their feet. You see, there's two things you've got to have, love and knowledge. Love and knowledge. Why, why knowledge? What did he know? He knew that he was everything. He knew that God had given him everything. What does that mean? He was the boss. He was the owner. Everything belonged to him. This world was his. The people was his. The stuff was his. Everything was his. He was secure. Are you getting this? When he knew everything was his, when he knew he was the owner, when he knew his father had given all things unto himself, he got down and washed their feet. You know why? He was not insecure. He didn't have to worry about what people thought about him. He didn't have to worry about what people said about him because he was secure in who he was. He was the king. He was God. He was the boss. He didn't care what nobody thought because he knew who he was. What's the point? What's the point? Ladies and gentlemen, you can deal with your insecurity. All you got to do is realize who you are. It doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks about you. It doesn't matter what people on Facebook say about you. It doesn't matter all that junk. People are taking their own lives because they're being bullied. I'll tell you the big problem. They don't know who they are. They don't know that they are the child of the living God. They are the child of the King. I am somebody. I don't have to worry about what you think of me. It doesn't matter what you think about me. I am a child of the King. I came on business for the King. He is my Savior. He is my Father. And one day, I'm going to be at the palace with Him. Quit worrying about what people think about you. Everybody's trying to, I heard this phrase, we're spending money we don't have to buy stuff we don't want to please people we don't even like. You know why? Because we're insecure. We want people to think we're something we're not. We want people to think we have stuff we don't. And be careful about looking at and be envious of them people that have all that stuff. They probably have a lot of debt. Anyway, does this make sense? He's not insecure. He's secure in himself. He knows who he is. He knows the Father's done giving him everything. He don't have to worry about what people think. And because of that, because he knew who he was, he didn't have to worry about his yeah. reputation and all God's people say it. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. i got to give it real quick, real quick. Let's look at this last thing. Look at this last thing. I might have to skip one. <clears throat> all right, don't you see the promise he told? The promise he told. Two things. Write that down, and I want to share something with you. The promise he told. He gave them an example to follow. That's verse 15. Verse 15, he gave them an example to follow. He says this. He says, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't tell you what to do? He showed you what to do. He showed you what to do. Then B. There's an expectation to find. There's an expectation. What can you expect if you learn to serve others? Verse 17, verse 17. If ye know these things, what's that next word? Happy. happy. Say it with me. Happy. Say it with me. Happy. happy are ye if ye do them. Now, can you, get my, you, got, you got my picture up there? Can you, can you put that up here? Now watch this. Watch this. I don't know if you can take those words off of that. If you can. There we go. All right. All right. Here's the deal. This is the way. That, it's just a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. You see, what's that bottom word in green? I thought people didn't serve because of that. I just don't have time. Well, you're too selfish. It's all about you. I see. I get it. You don't love Jesus. You don't have time for Jesus. You're just, but that's not where it starts. That's just a byproduct. Look on that, 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 that one on the left. What's the one on the left? Say it again. If you was to poll the majority of people, most people would find themselves in that circle. They're unhappy. They're unfulfilled, unsatisfied with life, running 100 miles an hour, going to and fro, doing everything in the world, trying to keep their head above water, but yet they're still unhappy. Let's go backwards. Let's go backwards all the way to the top. Insecurity. When I'm insecure, <clears throat> when I'm insecure, I do things. I do things that I normally wouldn't do because I want people to think a certain way about me. In other words, there's stuff I'll do and there's stuff I won't do. They wouldn't wash feet because that was beneath them. What would other people think or say? They were what? Insecure. Jesus wasn't. You know why? He knew who he was. He didn't care what other people thought. Yeah, that's right. We'll buy houses we can't afford, riding cars we can't afford, because other people are going to see us. And we want them to think we're something we're not. You know why? Because we are. 
And then that produces pride. Pride. I'm not going to do that. Peter says, what are you doing washing my feet? What he's asking, why are you doing something I wouldn't do? Because of his pride. But see, his pride came from his. And so insecurity produced pride. And then pride, when you are real prideful, guess what? It makes you very selfish. It's all about you. You're the center of the universe. The world revolves around you. But you know what? Selfish people are really unhappy. They wonder why everybody don't think like they do. They want everybody else to serve them because they're selfish. And their selfishness comes from their, their pride, and really their pride comes from their insecurity. But watch this. Let's change all that. What if we become like Jesus and we're secure? We know who we are. We know what God has done for us. We know where we're headed. We know who we are in Christ. We know that God loves us with every fiber of our being. And we don't have to impress nobody. We don't have to do anything. It doesn't matter what other people say. Our reputation's irrelevant. Because no matter what people think, God thinks a lot of you. He died for you. So when we become secure, we can be, what's the opposite of pride? Humble. You see, because you don't care. You can wash a foot. It's a whole lot easier being humble when you're secure. Does this make sense? I don't care about what people say. Yeah, put your foot up here. It's a slave's job, but it don't matter. I know who I am. I know it's the lowest on the total boat, but it don't matter. I know who I am. That doesn't determine who I am. I may drive a car that looks like it's falling apart. I love the sticker that says, don't laugh, it's paid for. I ain't got to worry about that. I don't care what you think about what I'm riding. I know who I am. The type of car I have don't define who I am. The type of house I live in don't define who I am. I'm a child of the living God. This is my temporary holding place. I'm going, mm-hmm. See, when I'm secure, then I can be humble. And when I'm humble, I'm very unselfish. Humble people serve. Humble people don't care. But you know what I found about people that serve? Usually they're very happy. You see, you may not be serving. It may not be selfishness. That's just a symptom. Truth is, do you realize who you are? Do you realize that you're a child of the king? Quit, quit live in a schedule that's about to kill you. Quit living a schedule that's about to suffocate you. I mean, really, who are you trying to impress? Is it God? Probably not. We work schedules that are killing us because we're trying to impress people that don't care nothing about us. And all God's people see it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy, <clears throat> for your goodness. God help.